Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 156 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today we are talking about iontophoresis and if it is still an effective treatment modality in the rehab world. Um, we're going to be defining iontophoresis. We'll be talking about and explaining how it works. We'll be looking at the indications and contraindications. We'll be talking about tips on how to optimize your treatment when using iontophoresis. We'll be looking at different diagnoses treated with iontophoresis and talk about different types of iontophoresis delivery systems. And we're going to be talking about so much more than that. But if you want to hang on just a little bit, we're going to take a few moments to hear a word from our sponsors. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Hello and welcome back. So I get this question a lot about iontophoresis, and, and several questions actually. Number one, is it safe? Number two, is it effective? And number three, does insurance cover it? And so forth and so on. It's, it's a, you know... One of those modalities that a lot of people are kind of getting away from because insurance companies don't cover it as much. Um, and there's been a really big push to get away from modalities in the realm of rehabilitation, especially physical and occupational therapy. And I do have to say that I agree with a lot of those people that we need to start to wean away from soft tissue modalities, work more into loading programs and optimizing mobility and movement dysfunction and whatnot. But sometimes it is very difficult to get from point A to point B because somebody may be so inflamed or have so much discomfort that you need to do some sort of intervention to help make people a little bit more comfortable. So, so let's talk a little bit about what iontophoresis is first. Um, it, it's a use of direct current stimulation to drive medicine into the skin and into the underlying tissue. Now, I've always loved doing iontophoresis. I actually taught uh, how to use uh, modalities to a, an athletic training class for five years and um, really, really enjoyed it. And I, and I really like iontophoresis. I always found it to be very beneficial. But there are many applications that could make the... Um, the effectiveness much less. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that today. <clears throat> so getting to get back to, you know, 
you know, the direct current and iontophoresis. The way I like to explain this to patients is this. I tell patients, this is not magnet therapy, but think of magnets. You have a positive and a negative magnet, and they attract each, they're attracted to each other. You take negative and you put it next to negative, and they repel each other. So I usually tell them, I usually use dexamethasone, which is a negatively charged uh, medication, and I tell them that we put this negatively charged medication on a patch, we put that patch on the skin, and then we drive a negative current into that medication, which will repel the medication away from the electrode through the skin into the tissue. And they seem to really understand it when we when we explain it that way uh, so that they're like, yeah, it's just it's better than just rubbing it on your skin. It helps to drive it through the skin. Um, so one of the things you need to know, though, when you're using iontophoresis would be the polarity of certain medications. Like dexamethasone is negatively charged. We use dexamethasone to help with inflammatory conditions. Acetic acid is positively charged. So, um, you know, for things like myositis ossificans or calcific tendonitis is when you would use acetic acid. And then lidocaine is also positively charged, which is used for, uh, you know, pain control, especially superficial pain control. The most common use of iontophoresis in rehab, though, is for, you know, controlling inflammation, especially, um, you know, areas that are very localized, like lateral epicondylitis, decor veins, Achilles tendonitis, patella tendonitis, olecranon bursitis, uh, retrocalcaneal bursitis. Those are all areas I like to treat with iontophoresis. But something to remember here is that location is very important. So you've heard this before, location, location, location. If you're going to do a modality, that modality needs to be placed and performed on the area that is causing the problem. So I typically tell people who are wondering if they should use Ionto on an area that it shouldn't be an area much larger than the size of a quarter to maybe half dollar size, okay? And it should be done on areas that are superficial and not deep. So, I, you know, I avoid things like the piriformis or a deep hamstring issue, uh, low back muscles and things like that are areas that I don't do iontophoresis on uh, because of the depth of the tissue. Uh, so what are some of the benefits of doing iontophoresis over, let's say, oral medications or injections? Well, number one, the medication, you know, bypasses the, the, the liver and you get less breakdown of the medication. The other thing is that the medication stays very localized to that area. So it doesn't get dissipated throughout the body as much, although we know that the body can absorb some of this medication. It's been found in the bloodstream but at very, very, very low concentrations. So you can really get to an area locally and keep that medicine in that area. Um, and then, of course, you don't get an injection. And who wants an injection, right? Um, it's, it's painful to get the injection. You have a higher risk of, uh, you know, infection and things like that. And so, uh, you know, I'd pr I love doing iontophoresis just because it's a little more comfortable. Now, what are some of the disadvantages? Well, when you do iontophoresis, you're putting a lower dose of that medication into the tissue, whereas an injection can put a really high dose. Uh, the tissues need to be superficial, where an injection or an oral medication um, will get much deeper. 
Um, you know, like, and one of the disadvantages would be like a, a plantar fasciitis. You know, at the origin of the calcaneal tubercle, there's a lot of callus there on the bottom of the heel. So doing an iontophoresis may not be as effective as maybe doing an, an injection um, to that area. Now, some of the contraindications. You pretty much follow any of the electrical stimulation type contraindications. What I'm going to do today is cover the ones that are more specific to iontophoresis. So number one, people who have a hypersensitivity to electricity. And you will know this as soon as you start your iontophoresis. I always try to go with really low intensities, low currents to start with and see how the patient tolerates that. But there are some people where you get to like, you know, 0.5 milliamps and they're going through the roof. Uh, they're not going to tolerate doing a, uh, a high current for a low time. And so these people may not tolerate iontophoresis at all. Now, there are people who have allergies to these medications that you're using, so you need to ask about that before you start an iontophoresis treatment. You also need to ask about allergies to the adhesives that hold these patches onto the people's skin. Um, I have had some people have way bigger reactions to the tape and adhesive around the patch than they do to the medication that's, that's on it. You don't want to be doing iontophoresis over open wounds. You want to avoid the carotid arteries. Um, definitely not, uh, you know, over the area of a pacemaker with a patient, and definitely not over the eyes. Now let's talk a little bit about instrumentation. We, you know, we we talked about you know, iontophoresis, but let's talk about the delivery of this medication through the skin into the tissue and how that works. So, um, there, are, in my opinion, there are two ways of doing it the best. Um, and we have both in our clinic and I'm going to be doing a video on this, which I'll hopefully have time to attach uh, to this podcast before it comes out. Unfortunately, I did a beautiful video on iontophoresis the other day and forgot to turn the microphone on. And, uh, so I'm going to do it all over again. Now that was just practice, of course. Um, so there are two things. There are two ways to do it. There's a generator box that you can use um, where you have a delivery electrode. That's the electrode that has the medication in it, and you're going to put that over the tender area or over the inflamed area. Uh, and then there's a dispersive electrode, which needs to be a little bit larger in surface area than the delivery electrode because we're dealing with direct current stimulation. This can be a little harsh on the skin and can actually cause um, a burn to the skin and it's, imper it's important that that um, dispersive electrode is larger. And usually if you buy it as a kit, it automatically comes like that. Now, it's important that when you uh, use a generator box, you put those electrodes, you know, four to six inches apart. That's the optimal for that. Um, the, the, when you use a, a generator type box, you can use higher current which will take less time for the treatment. So typically you can get to three, three and a half, four milliamps of current and do a treatment over a 10 to 20 minute um, period. So it's kind of quick. It's kind of easy. You can do it while the patient is in the clinic. Now, there's another way of delivering this medication, and that's through the um, through a patch. They make different types of patches out there, and these patches have very small batteries in them. Um, these little batteries produce a very low current, but it takes a much longer period of time. So instead of 10 to 20 minutes, you might be looking at two to three hours to drive the medication through the tissue. It's all about figuring out what the dosage, the, 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 dose is, the dosage is. 
excuse me. And once you have that dosage, then you can figure out what, how much time it's going to take and how much current you're going to be using. So for example, let's say you have somebody with a retrocalcaneal bursitis. You would use the generator box. And think about it. Why would we use a generator box and not a patch? Well, number one, if you're going to put a patch on the patient and they're going to be leaving with it, putting a patch at the back of the heel, which is going to be up near the Achilles also, and you're going to be moving around a lot, you need to put a shoe on, that's not going to work. That patch is going to fall off. It's going to get bunched up in there, and it's not going to be effective at all. So in an area like a retrocalcaneal bursitis or anything around the foot and ankle, you're probably going to want to use the generator box and use a higher current with a lower time. So I typically start people off with like 40 milliamp minutes just because that is... Um, a little bit lower dosage. Um, and then if you want to get that 40 milliamp minute dose, you have to figure out how many minutes you're going to use and how much current are you going to drive. So if you're driving 4 milliamps, it will take 10 minutes to get the dose of 40 milliamp minutes in that 10 minute time frame. But if somebody cannot withstand the 4 milliamps of current, you drop it down. Let's say you bring it down to 2, then you need to double your time to get the dose that you want in the outcome, okay? So it's important that you try to figure out, you know, if you're going to use a patch or if you're going to use the generator box. Now let's say that somebody has a decorvain stenosing tenosynovitis. They have a lot of inflammation around that 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 radial side of the wrist, and um, they're you know it's swollen, it's inflamed, it's irritated, and you want to do iontophoresis. This is where the patch may be a great place to to, to place it. The skin may be sensitive, and you put the patch on. It drives a very low current, like. You know, if you wanted to do a dosage of 80 milliamp minutes, it would take about three hours at 0.44 milliamps. So it's a really, really low current, which is much more tolerable, but you can leave it on the wrist. You can put a little wrap on it to help hold it in place and you can, it'll stay there for the three hours. So that may be a better treatment option in regards to iontophoresis for a problem like decorvanes. Okay, people who can't stand the high current, you put them on the patch as much as you can. But you need to remember that patch is going to take a lot longer. So can you put it on and just have them leave with it? And, um, you know, can they take care of that? So that is fine. Once the patch is done, the batteries are dead. You basically throw it out and it's disposable. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, tips to optimize your treatment. Now, when you put that delivery electrode on the patient, you want to try to avoid valleys. And what are valleys? Um, you know, the ankle is tough. The dorsum of the metatarsals are tough. The back of the hand or even the anatomical snuff box. Any place where there is a little valley and you can't get perfect contact of the electrode on the skin can cause a problem. Wherever there is no contact with that electrode to the skin, you may have some arcing. And that means that the direct current stimulation is going to focus in on one area of the skin and can actually burn it. Okay, so you want to make sure that there is perfect contact with the skin. You want to make sure that the skin is clean and dry. So I like to use a rubbing alcohol and clean it off. I make sure that it's nice and dry after that. If you're doing a very hairy area, then shaving that may be in the works. But you shouldn't shave it 
and do the treatment right after because this will really agitate the hair follicles. So I tell people, you know, go home today, shave this area, and I might outline it with um, with a pen. I'll say, shave this down, and uh, next time you come in, it'll be ready to go. And so that will give you much better contact. And you need to remember that there are certain things that cause resistance. Number one, hair causes resistance. Number two, very dry skin will cause resistance also. So those people may have a little more discomfort with the stimulation because of that. Sometimes um, I may put a little bit of a hot pack for maybe five minutes on the area before I do the iontophoresis treatment so that the skin is, is nice and moist and I just kind of wipe that clean a little bit, but because the skin is moist, the stimulation will be less painful and you'll get a better delivery of that uh, medication. The other thing you need to really remember, and please never forget this, fill your patch with medication. I saw this happen one time. It wasn't a patient of mine. It was somebody else who was um, practicing iontophoresis and uh, they set everything up appropriately but did not fill the patch with medication, placed it on their subject and turned it on. And the subject said, you know, this is kind of warm. It's kind of, it's starting to burn a little bit. It's getting kind of sharp. And with direct current stimulation, you can sense that. It feels like a little hot needle sensation. So that's not uncommon. So when the treatment was over after 10 minutes and they took the patch off, there was a black burn about a millimeter deep and about the size of the back end of a pencil. And um, it was very painful and left quite a scar for a long time. And so please... Fill your patch. That's the number one thing you need to remember because you need to have good contact, okay, between your electrode and the skin. You need to make sure that uh, you have the patch is completely full of medication. Sometimes, you know, people don't put enough medication on there. Make sure you really uh, load it. And make sure that the medication stays under the patch. And people do this. They put medication on the patch and then they push it on the skin and then the, the medication comes out over the adhesive and then the adhesive doesn't stick as well. That adhesive has to stay there. So make sure that nothing drips off of the sides. Um, it's not uncommon to get a little bit of redness under the uh, electrodes, either the delivery or the dispersive electrodes. That's not uncommon. Um, and you may even have a little blistering, sometimes a little like white blister. That is the, the, the downside of doing direct current stimulation. But if you have better contact, good medication, a good dispersive, um, you will do fine. Okay, uh, It's always better to do iontophoresis on areas that are acutely inflamed. Remember, if somebody comes in with Achilles tendinopathy and it's chronic, it's not likely you're going to be able to help that patient because... The pain is not really coming from acute inflammation. They've done studies where they, you know, take tissue uh, samples out of people with tendinopathy and there's no active inflammation going on. So that will not be very effective. So acute inflammation will work much better. I like to do about five to maybe eight treatments in all. Um, for Ionto, I don't like to overdo it. Uh, I also like to uh, finish up my treatment with a patient with Ionto. So they may be doing a few activities, a few exercises, maybe we'll do some other soft tissue modalities, but I like to finish it up with the iontophoresis. Uh, and maybe they take that patch and go home with it, or uh, we just finish up with a 10 to 15 minute treatment with the uh, generator box. So for those of you who want to see these different Ionto setups, 
Uh, please make sure you check out our YouTube videos. We're going to have a link for that in the show notes. And uh, hopefully I can get that out to you soon. And uh, stay tuned because I will be doing more videos about more modalities. So if you have a specific modality that you may be interested in that you might like some information about, let me know. I might do a podcast on it or else I might throw a video up about it uh, because you can do modalities. I think they are helpful early on. But you should never just do modalities alone. And I think that if you're going to do it, you have to put the patient in the optimal environment to do it. You need to make sure that you get it on the right location, the right type of medication, and you need to make sure that the patient is safe. Number one, the patient must be safe. Um, so with that being said, folks, thank you all so much for listening to the Ortho Valpal podcast. I really appreciate it. If you could um, go over to your podcast platform, wherever you listen to uh, Ortho Valpal, give us a rating and review. That really helps with the show. And uh, be sure you check out our YouTube videos. We're putting stuff up almost every week at this point and uh, having a great uh, time doing it also. And make sure you shoot over your questions to me so that I can uh, ask those questions, maybe answer those questions on the show. And and either through YouTube videos. So folks, I want you to stay safe, be kind to others, and don't stop learning. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.